Good morning, lovely people, and welcome to the Black Pearl Radio Show. I'm your host, Mr. Tyler, and today's topic, we are talking with black authors, and we're going to get into why they became authors. We're also going to talk about the characters that they create and the stories that they come up with. This is our second broadcast, so we had a previous broadcast back in February where authors were going over the process of becoming a published author. Today we're going to talk a little bit about that, but I want to get more into our characters and the perceptions of black media. So I'm going to have the ladies and one gentleman introduce themselves, and then we'll get right into it. Hi, I'm Shatea Sims, author of Living Anonymous, Nice, and Still Anonymous, third book releasing, or fourth book releasing soon. That completes the series. Philadelphia, born and raised. I am. I went from self-published to being signed, published, and now I'm back to self-published, and it's quite a journey. <laughs> Interesting. So now we're going to take it to Miss Portia. Hello, I'm Portia Hargrove. I'm founder of uh, Firm and Black Voices LLC publishing company and creator of the Joyful Black Child book series. Uh, the first book is called My Words Are Superpowers. Incredible. I'm excited. Um, from DC. Excellent. I'm Malika Gaino. I'm from Washington, D.C. I'm the author of Falling from a Drug Dealer series, as well as Who's Gonna Love You But Me and Church Girls, as well as Born Killer. I'm also a published author as well. All right, sounds good. And now we have <clears throat> Mr. J coming up. He's going to have a seat in a second, and he's going to introduce himself to the panel as well. How you doing? This is Jay Sarone. So, Jay, tell us a little bit about your work really quickly for about 30 seconds. Well, uh, my company is Paper Chase Publications, based in Philadelphia. I have a book out now, A Legal Life, A North Philly Story. It's been out about four years. Got another book I'm about to put out uh, called The Prodigal Son, book one. Be out shortly. Excellent. So, guys, I want to throw the first question to my lady to my left. Pronounce your name again? Shatea. Shatea. All right, it's spelled a little differently, but okay. Shatea. What you mean? <laughs> I want to ask you this question. So visual media dominates our consumption, right? A lot of people are using Netflix, uh, YouTube, Instagram, which is photo-based, um, and it dominates. So how are we going to get people more involved in reading? I think that people are involved in reading. It's like a stigmatized that people don't read anymore, and... As I network, you know, go um, state to state at these book clubs and book fairs, there's a, a good turnout of uh, black and white readers um, across the globe, I would say. I was in Canada um, this past summer, and they had an event, and that was um, a part of, and I just think it's stigmatized. People do read. Now, there is ignorance out there, um, just ignorance, <laughs> but yeah, people do read. And you don't see that en enough. Okay. So specific to the black community, do you feel like we're purchasing a lot of uh, books and we're reading a lot, or are we mostly consuming visual media? Both. Both? Honestly, both. Like I said, um, I wouldn't have made it this far if there wasn't a reader base out there. And you don't see it. And I, even starting out as a new author, I didn't see it until I became part of the community. But it is a big community. It is a movement. And you, the support is there. Okay. So, Portia, what do you think about that question in terms of visual media consumption versus people who are reading publications? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you have a caliber of people who do read because we wouldn't be here <laughs> if it didn't exist. Um, 
but we have to be honest, there is a generation of people who do kind of consume information from a visual perspective, um, and they don't read. And so maybe because it's not interesting, maybe because it's not you know proper representation in it. Um, and so we just kind of have to figure out how to touch those people. But I think it's a little bit of both. Okay, and Malika, what's your take on that? Well, I actually think that we do got a great you know, fan base with reading. But the thing is, now you got to grab the people's attention more to grab a book. So therefore, now is ways to market it now that you could do a trailer for it, give you an idea what the character's going to look like. That brings a lot of more readers in, as well as now we have e-books, as, and it brings, because everybody always on their phone, so it's basically that type of way of making more readers out there and just with YouTube, you know, YouTube um, marketing and everything like that, it's just it's just easier for people to be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to read books. So once you get a good trailer, it helps out a lot too as well. All right. And Jay, what's your take on that? I actually agree with what was said. Um, I actually posted about it a couple of weeks ago. It kind of makes me sick to my stomach when I hear black people say I don't read. Because I do a couple, like I do a few different things as far as marketing, not just online, but I go sell books in the streets, like impromptu. And uh, when people walk by, I go to high traffic areas. When people walk by and I say, oh, you check out my book yet? I don't read. And it makes me sick to my stomach. Black people don't read. What you mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like a, like you said, a negative stigma that we've adopted. You know, I don't know if it goes back to the slave days when we weren't allowed to read. But it's kind of sickening. So I feel like, you know, like the sister said, if people didn't read, most of, most of my supporters are black, <laughs> black readers. So if black people didn't read, like you said, I wouldn't been doing this for four years now. All right. So do you think we need to do enough in terms of our reading, um, specifically to the schools, right? So we look at our black young boys and girls who are in the schools, and we're looking at the reading scores, and the reading scores are not good. But a lot of that can be that maybe they don't want to read the material that's presented to them. So part of that could be some of the material that they're reading are not of interest to them. Um, and that could be a, a reflection or correlation to why the scores are low. But in general, a lot of our kids don't want to read anyway. So I don't know if it's the content, and that's not capturing their, their you know, what they might want to do in terms of reading or... They just don't want to read because they want to do other things. They're on YouTube all day long. They could be on books all day long, too, but they're on YouTube, and there's a reason. So how do we bring it back to where our kids can kind of do both? Maybe they can use the visual media, but at the same time, we're reading stories. All right, I'm going to just be honest. (laughs) The school system of the United States is terribly whitewashed. And... The books that these children are forced to read do not represent them. Therefore, they're not going to connect with these books. But as a parent, it is your job to introduce other books and other material to your child. So they're getting the full scale of how the world is. Like I buy books for my son all the time and he hates reading what is given to him. But when I buy him books that have little black boys in it, and it's a black boy um, 
through a black male perspective's eyes, he's interested in those books and he gravitates towards those books. So just to keep it real, like until the school systems adapts and brings everybody's culture, then we're just going to decline. And I see the decline in the society, and that's why we're like behind academically against the rest of the world. And that's just my opinion. <laughs> I was so happy when she said that. <laughs> um, I could really go in, but I absolutely 100% agree. Um, our school systems are failing. Um, it's up to us to create the content that we need for our community and our children because at the end of the day, we can tell our own stories. Mm -hmm. And a part of psychosocial development for kids is identity relation and seeing it. It's very, very important because if you see a character or identify with something that looks like you, it increases self-worth, it increases value. It increases value. Um, and that's all a part of healthy development processes. And when you're talking about a, a dog and, you know, Billy Socks, like, they don't understand. It's, it's not relatable. I don't mean to be, <laughs> it's not relatable. Um, so it, it's the disinterest. For example, I love to read my material. My mother always took me to bookstores, but I gravitated towards things that looked like me. When I saw a little black girl, I was ecstatic. I didn't care about Rapunzel and, you know, I don't even, I still to this day don't know the story of Alice in Wonderland. I don't know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's very, very important. The representation component is very, very important. All right. So when we talk about representation, we talk about the, the books in the schools that are not reflective of us. And that's probably why the children don't want to read as much. Um, how do we fix that? Like, is there a union of black authors that are petitioning to get our books in the school system? Or are we just talking about it but not putting action behind it? And if so, what's the steps that we need to take? <laughs> I think there's a few things. Uh, talking about rep misrepresentation, uh, mostly negative black images are in the media, um, whether it be books, music, you know, TV shows. And then independent, it, they make it much more difficult to become mainstream than when you have the ability. And then when they want you to become, when they want to entice you because they see it's worth their while to invest or to give you a bigger platform, they want you to switch. You know, they want you to portray negativity. So, like, in the book I have out now, it's a, it's a street lit. But the whole point is, like I say to people, you know, and we all know the easiest way to educate people is to entertain them when they don't think they're being educated. So if you if you represent or show certain things and then teach a lesson, it can be a, it can be a mix of what's really going on, which a lot of times is negative, but then show that that's not the best way. You know what I mean? So if we all like it's hard. We we need teamwork make the dream work. So we really all need to, especially dependents, get together like going here to create dialogue and then level it up next level we don't need their platforms what we want to put out on a larger scale all right so you want us to follow up on that uh, not really go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> you raised your hand so i, was I did you. because he said street lit which you know i i get that a lot of us black authors are put into this box of urban fiction and it bothers me because The Godfather or Scarface or, 
you know, Goodfellas. Those are books. And what are they? Sex, drugs, money, and mayhem. Mm. What is urban fiction? Sex, drugs, money, and mayhem. And I'm like, why is that considered classic fiction and our work isn't? And so that's the stigmatism that I try to preach to everyone because it's like, what differentiates The Godfather from The Coldest Winter Ever or one of the classic uh, urban novels? And the, the, it just goes back to my theory of just the whitewashing of society because it's like you adapt our style, you adapt our culture, you watch our videos, you, you play our music, you watch our shows, but then you won't pick up our books. Mm. And it's messed up. <laughs> well, it's because they're white and they say so. So if they say their books are classics and ours aren't, that's what it is because they dominate the media and that's the stereotype that they're going to put out there. And that's why that happens. Nothing wrong with us writing street lit, crime novels, that kind of thing. I, we're going to get into that a little bit also. <laughs> Before I even say anything on that, let me just come down a little You wrote street crime novel as well, right? Yes, I'm a urban fiction author. All right, so we have three in the room, right? And you are children's literature. Correct. All right, so let me just jump to the street crime novelist first. Um, what's the thought process behind writing a street crime novel? And... As Jay said, he tries to put some positivity in that message as well. Um, do you think about putting a positive message in it, or is it just really about your creativity and what you feel like writing? And do you feel like you have to put a positive message in it? The reason why I started writing urban fiction is because I related to it. It makes me feel like I can relate to this author, I relate to the situation, things that the nature. So every single one of my books have some type of situation in it and then an a outcome, a positive outcome in it. All of mine don't just have drugs, you know, killing, things of that nature. They also have some type of um, message in it. Like, for example, domestic violence, emotional abuse, you know, all that stuff. And it shows a person how to get out of it. So everything is not just, you know, about selling drugs and things like that. Everyone, every author in my books, I mean, every character in my books is not like drug dealers or things like that. I do have a series called that, but it's not all of them that they sell drugs and things that, like that. All right, so when we look at the visual media and we talk about a TV show like Game of Thrones, which is the number one rated TV show in history, right? And they have murder, rape, violence, <laughs> killing, incest, all types of stuff. And it's, and it's like we... Well, I, we love it, right? And we want to watch the show, we want more. And that doesn't get criticized. But when we look at our urban novels, those books get criticized. Um, I personally do have a, an issue with the covers of the books. I, I think we can be more creative with our digital art. It doesn't have to be a girl with a thong up the butt, posing <laughs> to the back, and a dude with a gun, and all that. Like, we can be way more creative than that. But in terms of the content, um, do any of you guys feel like the content is kind of getting the same? It's becoming the same types of stories? Or are there people such as yourselves out there who are doing different stories um, that are taking street crime novels to another level? I think that it's art. And I think that a love story, a crime story, a mystery, it's all going to have the same elements because that's the genre that it is. And it's up to the artist to relate that message and try to 
be original with it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's all, you know, tied in together. It's just like, you know, the love stories that you, the movies that you see, it's the same concept, guy meets girl, girl meets guy, and they fall in love, and there's steps in between that love, but it's up to the artist to kind of, you know, tell a story where it's grabbing, grab, you know, grabbing the, the audience in, pulling the audience in. So of course, the stories are recycled to an extent, but it's up to us to kind of like tell it the way where we're spinning it, where it's unique, where it's original. But at the end of the day, it's guy meets girl, girl meets guy, and they fall in love, isn't it? <laughs> so advice for the authors out there, when we spin it, are we talking about plot, character? Um, what advice would you give to them to kind of spin it and make it fresh and original? Um, Honestly, I just say go with your gut. Like, do what your gut tells you. I've had my first book, um, Being New, I've had, I went through like six editors because they wanted to change the story or whatever. But I, I at first, I was listening to it because I didn't know. I didn't know any better. And I thought that their way was the right way. And then as I, you know, transitioned into, you know, this world, it's like, no, I'm right. And I'm happy I stuck with my gut and I, I held, you know, I held firm to what I wanted the characters to portray in my book. And so with any artist, I would tell them, like, stay firm. Just because somebody doesn't like this element doesn't mean that 50 million people won't like it. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but obviously she's doing something right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. So there are different genres out there, right? We have love yeah. stories, romance, we have fantasy, we have sci-fi. There's a lot of different things we can write about. I do feel like our community does stick to the urban novels, though, a lot. It dominates. So my question to Jay, and then I'm going to come to Malika, is why does it dominate? I feel like it creates art based on their personal experience and their perspective. So we put out things based on what we can relate to. So the more well-rounded your upbringing or your lifestyle is, the more elements you're going to have in your art. So you can't sit up and tell somebody who grew up in the Bahamas to paint paintings. You know what I mean? They're not going to naturally gravitate towards painting cityscapes. They're going to naturally gravitate towards painting things that are reminiscent of what is in their in their conscious mind. So if we come from a certain experience, that's probably why we're writing about certain things. You know, we, it's also therapeutic, you know, especially if you're writing from your own personal experience. Like when I, when I write, I cover different things in the same book. So when people read the book and they're, oh, it's a legal life and no Philly story, oh, something, I, don't, I don't need to read about it. Okay, fine, you're right. But at the end of the day, if you read it and people that read it, there's, there's elements of psychology in there. You know, colorism, um, dealing with blood, racism between black and Puerto Rican people in the book I have out now, for instance, where it's low key, you know what I mean, depending on what you're doing, who you're dealing with. So at the end of the day, I don't really think anybody as an artist should be judged when you go to monetize something like that. I don't say you shouldn't. I'm just saying based on when that's your art, if, you, if it's not everything is for everybody. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, if I'm putting out something that reflects what's on my mind, if that's not for you, it's not for you. I'm saying like when I do it, I don't necessarily put out when I say positive message. I mean, a positive message 
because at the end you see that if you live this lifestyle, you're probably going to die. I mean, you're probably going to die or get booked. So because I've experienced that and my homies have experienced that and my family members have experienced that. So at the end of the day, me saying that's positive at the end where the character that you fell in love with is dead. Spoiler alert. (laughs) You're going to realize, oh, he was getting money and he was getting the females and he was this and he he was a star ball player. He could have went that way with it, but he went that way with it because he had stuff he needed to do. He was trying to help his mom. I mean, so at the end of the day, I just feel like we shouldn't really be too judgmental as long as we're not promoting negative. We can put out, we can, we can portray negative stuff without promoting negative stuff. I always say there should be a balance, right? There's going to be a villain. There's going to be a heroine in the movie and, or in the book. And that's what we want. Um, a lot of times when we look at media, um, when we look at our movies, sometimes in the novels, you know, when we look at how black people are portrayed, we're usually the villain but there's not a lot of protagonists in that. Um, and that's where it needs to change because like you said, it's, sometimes it's a love story, sometimes it's a tragedy, there's things that happen within our stories, but a lot of times it's just too many negative characters in the story. I will always relate Empire, which a lot of people seem to watch, but I don't see any positive black characters mm-hmm. in Empire, right? All the, fam- the whole family's dysfunctional, they're criminal, they're mental illness, I don't, look at being gay as something negative, but some people do. So we have that gay character and then we have that ignorant young character, right? So all these negative characters and it's like, where's the balance? And it's fine to have those characters, but where are we balancing that out? So when people watch a a TV series like that, all they see is negativity amongst us. They don't see any positivity. When I look at Game of Thrones, we do have positive characters, negative characters, a lot of people with issues, which is fine. Um, I would like to see that more in our literature because when I read a lot of the urban fiction novels, I'm not seeing a lot of positive characters in there. Um, so well, Maybe not the books you read, but Aleka, <laughs> I want to bring it to you. So when you're writing your novels, are you consciously thinking about that or it just really doesn't come to your thought because you're just writing what you feel because you're an artist? It's kind of like both because sometimes you write what you feel Whatever comes to your mind, you're going to write it. Then sometimes you want that positive role model in the book. You always got to have somebody that's going to have the voice of reason in the book to make everything more, you know, realistic and understandable. For example, like one of my books, men, black men have a bad reputation about not raising a kid. In one of my books, he's a single father and he's raising his son. So... I try to switch it around. It's not always a single mom. Sometimes a single dad and things like that. Sometimes it's both, you know, both parents raising the child. So it's just, I just try to put all perspectives in it so everyone can have a feel because it is some people out here who's being raised by their father, some people out here being raised by their mother, and some people who got both parents but still want to, you know, run around and act like they don't have good home training. <laughs> so it's just a relatable thing. So it's just, you know, both of, just getting out all aspects of the world. Sorry about that. Okay, so let's bring this to Portia. It starts young, right? So our, our children need to start reading young. Obviously, they're not going to read our adult crime novels, right? They're going to read different stories when they're young. And you write books for young people. So what is that process like? And when you're writing your books, what are you thinking about in terms of preparing our youth, black youth, for reading? 
So this project actually came about as like a passion project, right? So my mother, today's her birthday, she passed away five years ago. Um, and writing was therapeutic for me and a way to kind of heal. Um, and I noticed when I was writing, every time towards the end, I would end it with things that she, would, she instilled in me to kind of help me be strong and kind of get through. Um, and I also do a lot of mentoring and professional development for young people, like young adults and kids. Um, and I noticed a lot of their feelings of inadequacy, self-esteem issues, self-doubt, stemmed from childhood, things that were said to them when they were children. Um, and so one day, I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, you know, my mother passed away, but I was grateful enough to have her for 25 years. But everybody doesn't have this. Like, everybody doesn't have a good mother. There's some terrible mothers out there. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, let me give them something that kind of helped me. So that's how the process started. Um, and being that I do mentor young adults and children, um, kids imitate what you do, not necessarily what you say. Um, so again, it goes back to that example. Um, and media has inundated the minds of our young people. We can sit here and pretend that it doesn't. Sometimes it inundates us. <laughs> um, but it's taken captive of their minds and our brain works in pictures. So if you're constantly downloading negative imagery, you're going to, you're young. Your brain's not fully developed until you're 25 years old. So thoughts and executive functioning, you don't know, you're young, you're easily influenced. So it starts young on providing these positive images and representation and self-esteem. Like black boys need to know that, hey, you don't, you're not a horrible person. You're not a deadbeat and a thug. And I mean, all this negativity with them getting killed, like that's trauma to the mind. They need to see themselves in a positive light. They need to know, hey, I like science. I don't have to play football. You know, girls need to know, hey, light brown, whatever, I'm beautiful, I'm loved. They need to see two-parent households, that it, it can be normal because it does exist. Now, not for everybody, it's understandable, but it exists, like dads exist. This is mind-boggling to me that people think the majority of black men are trash. That is a problem for me. That's an issue. It's not okay. So do you think we need more children's books in our schools or just in our homes that reflect how we look? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. yes. So, so how are we solving that issue? By creating the content. So for example, um, in the book publishing process, I self-published and I started my own publishing company because when I tried to go to the normal routes, they put up the money. So if they're putting up the money, they control how they want it to look. They had the mother looking blazing. It was like, no. <laughs> they made me change uh, Maya's hair. And they had the dad looking like Carl Winslow. I was just like, this is not, <laughs> this is not the vision. Um, and I kept coming with that. You're trying to change it. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to create it. I'm going to create it. And that's what I've decided to do. Um, and I'll be publishing other authors as well. And we just have to create and support our own and put it out there. It's our responsibility to tell our stories, as I said earlier. So do you have your, your children's books in schools or nurseries or anything like that? Yeah, so I'm working on, um, so I got a lot of good feedback from like school psychologists. Um, and so I'm working on integrating different programs, th this book specifically, because it's my words or superpowers, um, into the school system. However, I did kind of face kind of an issue because I have God, the word God on the back of it. So that's like a whole issue. But I am working towards that. 
All right, so I want to open it up to the, to the rest of the panel. In terms of the youth, what are you guys doing or what is your company doing to increase literacy amongst our young brown, black boys and girls? Um, I'm actually in the works of developing my first uh, children's book. Um, I'm hoping to have two out um, in, sometime in 2018. It's just like she said, like I feel very strong. I'm a mother myself. My son is 15 years old. And I want him to know that you don't have to be a basketball player or a football player or this gangbanger or whatever other representation that we're stereotyped as. And you know, he wants to be a gaming engineer. And I'm like, you do that. <laughs> and so it's like, it's important to me that black girls and black boys get a well-balanced you know, dynamic of how our culture is. And that's why it was like very important to me that I develop these books that I want to develop. And I want them in the school system because that's where they belong. Because we have a whole history that was wiped from us. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be told. Not in your social studies books where it says, we're the start of our history of slavery, because it's false. That's not where we started. And so, just like she said, it does start with us, and we do have to create our own avenues to get in our information out there so these kids are educated enough to know that you don't have to be that what you see on the TV. So, Malika, are you doing anything currently to work with the youth in terms of literacy, and or will you be doing that in the future? I plan on it in the future. Right now, it's just basically like building up just showing, like, starting with my family, because I don't have any children, but I have a niece. I have a lot of goddaughters. <laughs> so every time I'm out doing a book signing or anything, I make sure they're there, just so they can know that's my family. She's black. She's like me. She could do whatever she wants. You know, show them on the back of the book, my picture. Like, you can do that, too, if you want to. You know, buy them journals, make sure they stay with books in the house and things of that nature so they can just know it's not just all about, you know, the white books out there. It's black authors, and you can be one if you want to. Um, I have a goddaughter, actually. She loves to write. Every time she asks, she get in a journal. That's all she likes to do. Like, she have a diary and everything. She just write all day. So it's just, you know... Right there, it's just making making me like a good role model for them, just to let them know that you don't always have to be, you know, the statistic. You know, you can actually, if you want to write, you could write and you could do it really well. You know, so that's where I'm starting. Started with the family, then I can work on to you know doing children books and things of that nature, and also being a you know motivator speaker and things of that because I know how I grew up. Like I couldn't stand reading. If it wasn't, like, anything you put in front of me, I'm like, I'm not reading it. So it took a process for me to actually sit down and actually write a book. And then it all started just because I started reading books that with the authors look like me. So with that, it's just, you know, just building up, you know, the youth to let you know you can do what you, um, you know, do anything you want to. It's people out there that look just like you. So, yeah. So, Jay, what do you think? Are you working with the youth now, or will you be working with them in the future? Well, I have a, nine, a son who just turned nine in September. So, um, 
I work with the youth all the time. <laughs> but besides that, um, yeah, when I make myself available, a couple months ago I spoke to, I was asked, a sister I met um, in, uh, in the process of doing business. She runs an after-school program in the neighborhood where my book takes place. So uh, I wanted to speak to those kids, and I was out selling books uh, in that neighborhood in the high-traffic area. Saw one of the kids from because basically they asked, oh, can we buy? It? Oh, we want the book, yada yada yada. And it's adult content, so I created a permission form for the parents. You know what I mean? Um, so he was with his grandmother, and uh, we, you know, because I went there and talked to them about respect and you know conflict resolution because that's the thing. Like as important as, as it is to to give positive images. We also have to deal with what it really is right now. You know what I'm saying? So we can't, if, if somebody is going through something, dealing with something, especially as a, as a kid, and you make it seem like, well, you shouldn't be doing that or it's not realistic, that you might have to battle with that. You see what I'm saying? Like, don't sell drugs. It's not an option. We got to give them something. You can't tell them not to do something, but don't give them another option. You know what I'm saying? Like, I tell my son, what you do most, you do best. Right. So regardless of whether you want to be a ball player, um, which you don't have to be because there's limited job openings in that field. You know what I'm saying? Well, if you want to be a rapper, um, please no mumble rap. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> regardless of what you want to do, what you want to like me and my son started about a year and a half ago, started writing children's books about a cat we used to have before. Me and his mother separated and just recently got divorced. So we had to put a, a, a hold on the uh on, the, on writing the books, we just got back into it, you know, a couple months ago. So in general, like, I'm really all about, you know, Black Literacy Matters, and I hashtag a lot when Instagram doesn't want to block it. Mm-hmm. Reading is gangster. Writing is gangster. Everybody out here talking about gangster this, gangster that, you know what I'm saying? Let's talk about things that are really, you want to talk about being a G, being a real, you know what I mean, whatever you want to call it. Let's, let's talk about the realness of shooting people Robbing people, hustling is not necessarily, or I shouldn't even say necessarily, that's not what makes you real. I'm saying like, unfortunately, I've been through things and I'm not going to say that I, like, I wasn't always in, I mean, always in the streets. I had jobs and was in the streets simultaneously, good jobs. And what I learned from as an adult when my son was a baby, that that's not worth it, regardless of who complaining about money, I mean, regardless of what else is going on. Because at the end of the day, make all the money in the world and make a decent amount of money. When you get booked, your bail, your lawyer, the time you lost, you're not getting it back. So let's avoid all of that. So instead of, uh, and that's when I talk to the kids, I'm not going to, I don't come at them on some self-righteous or don't do that. That's stupid. Because we, we did the dumb stuff, whether we were young or grown. You know what I'm saying? We did the dumb stuff. So to see when the young boys, oh, you wrote, even not even young boys, like grown people. I've had people support me that I know support me just on the strength that I'm black. And they've said to me, you know what I mean? I don't even read like that, but I like to see a black man out here doing it, especially when I'm out with my son selling books. So when he's out at a book signing with me, but that's been happening for the past few years. You know what I'm saying? So when people see that and other, other young people see that, whether they have their father at home or not, you know what I mean? We, it ain't like this. It takes a village takes a village so I you know I, I don't have to be with you every day as far as somebody I meet in passing but if I can use that little time we have together to encourage you let you know yeah you wrote that yeah let that's me on the back 
So I want to segue into our process. So when you are writing your next novel, or if you're currently writing your novel now, what is like your writing process? My next novel actually was sparked by the shooting of um, Philandro um, Castro, um, Castillo. Castillos, thank you, uh, last summer, or the summer before last. And I lost my mind. <laughs> it was, um, I knew what was happening. And I, that particular shooting though was, I don't know why, but I just remember turning on the news and being pissed off. And I'm, excuse my language. And I went to work pissed off. And I was hurt and I was mad. And I'm saying, we're saying Black Lives Matter, please don't shoot us. And you've got the audacity to say, well, all lives matter. Or the audacity to put, we support these local cops. And that sh stuff, <laughs> that's hurtful. Because we are people and we deserve justice just like anyone else. So my next book was birthed in that moment of what the hell would I do if somebody took my son away from me and he didn't deserve that? You played God with my son's life and he didn't deserve that. So out of that anger, out of that hurt, out of that frustration, that's how the birth of my next book um, came about. So it's always a process, and I'm sure we're all of, you know, all of us, it's a process of tapping into that emotion of what we're trying to portray in our story. So it's like, you know, they say writers are weird. <laughs> and we're always people gazing and we're always observing and we're always like taking mental notes. And it's just like, that's, that's us. We just, we, we pull out elements of what we see in the world and we, we, we create with it. So for those who would ask the question, is that book out yet? Or if not, when might it be out? I am pushing for um, July of next year. Excellent. So let's take it to Miss Portia. Are you writing, working on something now? And if so, can you give us a little tidbit of what that is and what the process was to put that together? So um, the My Words Are Superpowers and Joyful Black Child Book Series. Um, I actually, except this is my first book, um, and I actually did it through uh, Write and Publish Like a Pro. It was a, a class with Tressa Azarell Smallwood, um, and I learned a lot from her. That was that thing saved my life. Um, and from there, I was able to kind of capture my own way in the process of writing. So I took and pulled from experiences and things that happened. So similar to Shar, I'm from St. Louis. So the Mike Brown thing, oh my gosh, pissed me off completely. Um, when you have family members and men who are six foot seven crying, saying they tried to kill me, like it does something to you. Um, and so you're pulling from all these different elements of what's going on around you. Um, and I sit and write, and then I get focus groups. I get focus groups to kind of share the idea, get, a, get um, understanding, um, especially from a kid's perspective. And then I bring in kids, like, hey, what is this? Do you like it? Is it whack? Like, do I need to change some words? Um, and then I give the feedback. It's real good. So the focus groups with the adults and the kids, are they reading the finished work? or you? Or they discussing the idea of the work that you want to produce? Idea of the work. Okay. Idea of the work. So for the different drafts, though, for this book specifically, I did do focus group with, like, school counselors, some psychologists, some teachers. Um, 
and they got to read it because I needed to understand from that perspective because um, I only know from a mentoring perspective, but I need to know, like, is this hitting things developmentally? Is it going to reach and touch? And then also mothers, because mothers know the kids. Um, and then that was able to help me cultivate and make sure that it, the message is reaching the child, because the issue that I had is I was writing too high. <laughs> there was like, Portia, no six-year-old, they don't know what that is. <laughs> so there was a good process for me to learn to kind of bring it down um, and still get the message across. So, so far I'm getting, we have to draw from our emotions, right? So to those future authors out there, or current authors, um, we're thinking about the emotions of it, but also once we have our, our drafts kind of completed, might want to look into doing some focus groups um, of people who might be interested in reading that kind of content or into that genre, and that can help you um, better prepare the book so you know if you might want to make some changes or not, uh, which is good. So, Malika, we're going to come to you. What is your process like when you are working on your novel? And if you're currently working on a novel now, can you give us a little tidbits about it? My process is basically like what comes to my head. Like, I could be sitting here right now and just think of something and I write it down. It's just whatever flows with the characters that I have in mind. I actually have a book that's going to be released sometime this month, um, Church Girls 2. When I wrote that book, it was just, I wanted to put more emotion into that one. Part one, it, got, it had emotion, but for part two, it was just like, the state of mind I was in at that time when I was writing it, I wanted to add more emotion to it. So I added more emotion to that. And while that one's been released this month, I'm working on Born Killer 3. So with that one, it's just, I just don't want it to be repetitive. Or, you know, or everybody be like, oh, I saw that coming. So I'm just thinking of different ways to make it different so no one can be like, oh, I saw that happening. So right now I'm just trying to think of different creativity, some creativity ways or whatever to just not have the, the same outcome of everything. So in Church Girls too, are they stealing from the collection plate? <laughs> blackmailing the pastor? What's going on? It's close to that, but, <laughs> but they're not stealing from the collection plate. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's bring it to Jay. Jay, what are you working on right now and what is your process? Um, well, the book that I is, is done, I'm just waiting for every all of this stuff to come up, The Prodigal Son. That's actually the first book I wrote. I wrote it when I was 19, um, when I wanted to start my publishing company back then, but I had people close to me discouraging me, so I didn't do it. I already had a job and was whatever. So then when I got locked up in my late 20s, that's when I decided, well, I got felonies now, I can't have a good job anymore, so might as well do this. So that's when I can't, when I wrote had time to sit down and write, so I wrote The Legal Life of North Philly Story because I figured that would be a better um, introduction to me, uh, to the the world or whatever, as a writer, because The Prodigal Son was a little bit more personal. So I'm putting that out uh, within the next couple of weeks. Uh, other book I'm working on is Suicide Tuesday. That should be out by January. That's more like a, a urban, street-lit, psychological th thriller twist. And that I want, you know, that I'm excited about because I think that's going to be. I came up with that idea. I'm gonna be honest. About four years ago, my aunt uh, died of cancer. She was uh, a few days before she turned 52, and that was my only uh, family member that I had left beside my grandmother in Philly, because nobody's from Philly. My father's from New York. My mom's from Chicago. They met in Philly, 
So um, I uh, was going through it personally in my relationship, and I was going through it mentally with the losses that I've been experiencing, and I got a little bit um, intoxicated to a level that I hadn't gotten in a very, very long time. And that's when I had the book out there. I was up all night. I started doing research. Like uh, this saying right here. I come up with an idea. If I'm not in front of the computer, I text it to myself. I have like 50 book ideas. Mm-hmm. And then when I get mm-hmm. in front of the computer, I'll type, I'll write it out. I'll write down a synopsis. And then when it's time to start writing that book, I'll write an outline of what goes in each chapter. And then that's when I start writing, mm-hmm. when I'm ready to do it. So the suicide Tuesday, I'm like halfway through. That's when I'm, I'm, I'm hyped about it. But yeah, that's that's what I do. And then you know the the, the title might change. But that title changed before, like changed a couple times. But then when I'm doing research on certain particular drugs that that uh, book involves and how they affect your mind and your body um, and why they make you feel the way they do, that's when I came up with the idea for the title. So and even with that, boom, certain particular drugs that are known as party drugs, like uh, when Molly was popular or more pop became a big thing. It's like, I'm going to just be honest. I did it. I did it. My homie had it. Well, his his girl at the time was a stripper and she had the good stuff, you know, because, you know, you get people out here running around butt naked and all. I'm not trying to get to whatever, <laughs> but people running around butt naked high off the off bad batches. So you keep telling, oh, she got the good stuff. She got the good. I'm, I'm cool. That's all. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, <laughs> Long story, long story, I mean, I'm a writer, so I can only write what I've been through or what I can only write. I'm not going to pump fake. I'm not going to write about being on boats and yachts in the course you can see because I've never done that. You see what I'm saying? So I write based on what I've been through and I take it and look, learn from my experiences, study your own, learn from my mistakes, study your own. The same thing I would tell to my son, I'm going to tell to anybody whether you had experiences or not. So when I did that that one time, I was feeling excellent that night. I'm not going to lie. I was feeling great. And so that's why I started researching because I'm like, what is wrong with this drug? There has to be something wrong with this. You know what I'm saying? There has to be something wrong with Molly. There's no way in the world that, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't run around butt naked. I was chilling. So let me ask you a question, because you mentioned when you were incarcerated, that's when you started writing again. Um, I hear a lot of brothers and sisters are writing books while they're incarcerated. Is that true? Or what was your experience with it like that? I mean, I didn't do uh, any state time. So when I caught my uh, case, um, I got locked up. And I eventually made bail. Um, I was fighting my case for a little over a year. I wound up, fortunately, I, paid a very, I got a good lawyer and got house arrest or since three years house arrest. So when I was in my situation, I was by myself except for when uh, my wife at the time we were separated back then for the first time, um, she would bring my son over. I couldn't leave the house. She would bring my son, drop him off. I have him for like three, four days a week. Other than that, I was writing. So I can't really speak on what I, I know people that have written. I know a lot of people write. They start, they don't finish. Like, I mean, it's, it takes... Discipline. It, yeah, it takes discipline. Lots of discipline. Yeah. So I want to get into the numbers, right? I read a, a stat somewhere where it said the average writer sells 200 books. That's it. That's not going to be a lot of money, but that's a stat I read, right? Hmm. Um, I don't know if your experience is like that. We're not really talking about your money per se, but just in terms of financing, do you feel like it's been worth it? Like each book is really doing well, or is it more like you have to put out a lot of content? to reap back the benefits? 
and anyone could take that. It's a marketing strategy. That's all it is. So if your marketing budget is good, you're going to get the readers. You're going to do well. Um, When I first started, I only had books and they sold in my hometown, you know, people on the strength of knowing me or whatever. And as I started traveling with these books, you develop your fan base. So I don't know how accurate that statistic is. I haven't really did the research for that, but it's all marketing and it's all word of mouth. Word of mouth is your best friend. But if you think about a lot of musicians who can't sing, (laughs) it's their marketing team that makes them marketable. So that, you know, yeah, you just have to keep at it. I don't care if your book's five years old, you just have to keep going and going and pushing and pushing. And, and I haven't heard of this young lady before, but I'm interested in her book now. And it's like I said, it's all word of mouth and you have to be willing to do the work, the, the footwork. You can't just develop a book and be like, oh, I got a book, it's going to sell, because it's not. You gotta be able, you have to put yourself out there. And if you're not used to talking, you gotta get used to talking to people and selling yourself. So has that been your experience, Portia? Absolutely. <laughs> um, actually, my book is doing far better than what I expected. Because um, it's my first, I, I knew I could get, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to sell about 300 books. I know I could do that by myself alone. Um, but in the process of development and marketing, and I don't even think my marketing is that great right now because um, I'm rebranding, but it was enough to be able to get exposure. And social media is excellent for that. And then also it's your content. Like when you have nice content, it draws people in. That's what I'm learning. Um, but you cannot be afraid. So when I was doing my mentor program, she was just flat out like, you need to get out here and talk about it and post about it and, you know, not be afraid. Um, and you just have to let go of the, uh, get out of your comfort zone and do it. You cannot be afraid. You can't be, I'm an introvert. People don't believe me, but I am. So it's like, I really don't feel like talking, but I do it because I love people at the same time. So. That's kind of, that's the same thing about me. Like I'm real laid back like behind the scene. <laughs> I don't like to be the front person. Like even here, like a little nervous, but so it's just like, I had to really had to get out of my comfort zone. Like I was used to like on my Facebook page and all my social media, just posting little pictures. Now I'm like, okay, if I actually want to make it and you know get my book out there, I have to promote more, talk about it more. Now it's like to the point where everybody, what you do? Oh yeah, I'm a writer. You know, I'm I'm comfortable now when I could just tell everybody, oh yeah, I'm a writer. Yeah, go ahead and check it out. It's on this, you can find it here. Oh, you want some copies? I got some in the trunk. So <laughs> so I'm, I'm starting to get more comfortable with that. Um, but it's all about marketing. Like social media helps a lot because the hashtags and everything just draws more people like if you hashtag it, somebody's just gonna automatically hit that hashtag and then they just wanna see all these different books, all this stuff, and then they just gonna wanna buy it. So that actually helped me a lot. Like my sales are great. Like, so I'm really happy about that. So it just making me more comfortable, just go out, try new things. Cause at first I probably would've been like, I'm not going nowhere, I'm not talking on no radio, I'm not doing this. But now I'm more comfortable with it, telling everybody, hey, tune in, listen, I don't care. 
long you know is getting yourself out there more now so that's where it is that's all it is like get yourself out there and market really well okay you want to add to that yeah i I feel like uh, whatever your personal past experience is especially with work you need to apply that to this like as a business, we do it for whatever we started doing it for. If it was just a hobby or release or therapy, if you want to make money off of it, you got to treat it like a business at the end of the day. So regardless of who nerves you get on by promoting yourself, like, you, like if you can go, that's why I said people be like, oh, you work. I, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you it's cold out. You selling books on the street. Yeah, I used to sell drugs on the street. <laughs> well, as a young boy, like up here in Harlem and St. Nicholas Project. So at the end of the day, like if I can do that for something negative, and now I don't even have the option. Like, I don't have a job like a regular job. Like, so at the end, of the, I got to go hard. So consistency, or like you said, this is my, this is my publishing company. So I got to view that as a business. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and, and, and sell books and go buy a bottle every time I sell. You know what I mean? Or, or do dumb stuff with the money. You got to reinvest. Like, if you treat it like I got to, sorry for the drug dealer references, but I have to have my re-up. Regardless of how many books I sell, mm-hmm. I have to at least have my re-up mm-hmm. to buy more books. I'm saying I don't have a publishing deal because for the same reason you said, I'm not controlling what I put in my book. I get, I pay somebody to edit my books. I pay my graphic designer. On top of that, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but everybody does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody, especially now that nobody wants to read. Now, I don't, your goal, most people go to is not reading. Most people go to is visual. Yep. I mean, music, movies. TV. So you got to, you got to work around, like you said, with the hashtags. I started getting a lot more interactions on social media when I started researching. We readers, we got to read too. Better research how to market our stuff. We're going to do that as a business. If you're not going to do it like that, then you probably will only sell 200 copies. So we've got three minutes left and I'm glad you mentioned movies because that's my next question. Um, Recently, I went to the premiere for True to the Game. So, you know, she turned that book into a film, and it was pretty good. I, I give her credit on that movie, first movie, and it was a good movie. Are you guys thinking about turning any of your books into films? And if so, which book, if you want to say, and when do you think we might see a movie from I your think book? that's every author's dream. <laughs> I don't think you can ask that author that question, and they say no. At least for me, anybody in this room, I'm sure you guys agree that is every author's dream to see their work on the big screen because we're writing and you guys see words, but we're seeing the visual aspect. And that's important because you're reading the words, but if you can't visualize it too, and the book doesn't make you feel like you're this character or you're mad at this character, you're laughing, then we failed on our end. So every author's dream is to be on the big screen, not to sound shallow or anything like that. Well, we know <laughs> before you can make a movie, you need a script. Right. So it's a written document mm-hmm. as well that, that gets transformed. But are you working on the children's books? And yeah, so actually um, my goal is to have a children's series, a cartoon series. I would love to have this be a cartoon series for the kids. Um, it's interesting because in, in marketing, I had a random nurse. She DM'd me. She said, this is incredible. And so when are you going to get a cartoon? Because I'm tired of my kids, not to sell me, but I'm tired of my kids looking at little white people like, this needs to be a cartoon. Um, and so the demand is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, because at the same time, like, yes, text and, and reading is important, but visuals are important as well. 
Um, and so that's one of the goals. Yeah, so you need to make that happen soon. <laughs> so, Malika, are you thinking about turning any of your books into films? Yeah, I have a total of 10 books <laughs> out. Awesome. So, of course, but the one, probably Born Killer, part one, because everyone loved that book. <laughs> like, everyone, men, women, everybody loved that one. So that would be like a great movie right there. And also when I talk about films, I'm, I'm thinking about television series as well, yeah. Netflix series, things mm-hmm. like that, because Game of Thrones is a book and became a series, and mm-hmm. there's other books that don't necessarily have to be a 90-minute, 120-minute film. They can also be series, mm-hmm. and your series is going to be like 10 or 13, 13. episodes, yeah. so you're looking at a 10-hour movie or a 13-hour movie versus a 2-hour movie, and that's even more beneficial mm-hmm. if you can make that happen. So, Jay, what are, what are we doing with the films in your books? Uh, mine is plan which I'm sticking to is all of them. Everyone put it out is going to eventually be an audio book and everybody's okay whatever. Audio book instead of it just being read, I want it to be a, a, a movie. So you're gonna have a different that's why it hasn't happened yet because I want everything in my own pocket. I want nobody to control what I'm doing. I'm doing it. Different different active soundtrack merge the audio book in which I've dealt with rappers who are on my live right now who have performed this in my book release parties soundtrack audio book eventually movie for every book I ever put out until I die that's my plan and for those folks out there the authors who have a good following for one of your novels or just following you as a writer um, you might want to shoot a scene from your movie and then put out a crowdfunding thing to uh, reap the money back in so you can then produce it into a film. You know, if you show that you can, on your own as an independent and you don't need a big studio, that you can turn around a quality film. If you do that with just a little short series, um, whether it be two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, and then do a crowdfunding with your followers funding it because they want to see that develop into a movie, um, that'll be some good advice for you guys to do that's going to help you reach your goal of turning that book or books into visual films. So we have approximately 90 90 seconds. seconds. And just list your social media really quickly. I'm going to post it anyway, but just list it for people who are listening now and want to catch it right now. How do they follow you on social media? All my social media is author Shatea Sims. Uh, Furman Black Voices, uh, Black It's BLK. All social media, Malika Gaynor. Paper Chase Publications with an S. All right, so I want to thank you guys for coming into the broadcast today and sharing your information and your knowledge with us. I think it's going to be seconds. going to be very important for authors who are out there that want to get into the game or want to step their game up to another level. Remember, this is Black Pill Radio. It's replayed on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Blog Talk Radio, and the website blackpillradio.com. Um, we're also going to have a resource page, so go to the website in about a day or two. And I'm going to have links to my guests' websites. I'm going to have links to their Amazon page if they're selling off Amazon or their personal website so you guys can follow them, uh, read their books, support them, support black businesses. I know Christmas is coming up. We don't have to wait till Christmas to spend $9.99, $3.99, whatever it is that their book costs. So between tonight and the end of this week, I want to see some sales. I want them to hit me up saying I got some seconds. sales on their books because we at Black Pill Radio support it. As always, peace and God bless.